Uh, today, I'm going to have a fireside chat with my guest, uh, Rafa Cohen, who's the CPO at Waze. Uh, different topics like state of product management during and post-pandemic, AI, frameworks around products, principles around building great products, and also product leadership, and much more. Now, Rafa, like you mentioned, is CPO of Waze uh, and oversees the company's product vision and execution which is fundamental to ways reinventing itself as a mobility company. Now, Parisian born and bred, Rafa graduated uh, in electrical engineering from Technion, which is the Israel Institute of Technology, specializing in digital signal processing and information theory. Rafa is father of four and currently living in Israel's countryside among vineyards and palm trees. So stay tuned for a very interesting fireside chat, my guest Rafa Cohen. Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Shirazian, and welcome to PM Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing you fresh and unique insights from product leaders and tech entrepreneurs. All right, Rafa, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you today. I'm very excited to have a fireside chat with you and everything and anything about product. So <laughs> let's, let's kick this off. Uh, I'd love if you could you know, share with us um, a little bit about your journey into product and how has it evolved over the years? Um, so my journey into product is, uh, um, is a bit, I guess, unusual and non-typical. But what's nice about product people in general is that all of our journeys are non-typical. Uh, I think like when you talk to an engineer, it's uh, uh, often the same story, right? You go to college and then you get your first job and then your second job, et cetera, et cetera, until maybe uh, you, you do your own thing or your own company, right? Uh, for product, it's uh, it's often you come from you you have to come from somewhere else, right? From some other uh, uh, discipline. Uh, often it's from uh, um, either um, just from business school or from a design position or from or from tech. Uh, in my case, that's from tech, but I'm not from software. I'm an electrical engineer, um, BSc and uh, NMSc. So I come from a very very different industry. Um, I was a system engineer for wireless systems, algorithm uh, engineers. In big companies and in startups, and then uh, I left to uh, um, to um, start my own company in the uh, algo trading space. Um, so again, totally different uh, uh, space. Uh, from there, and because I was a bit bored, not uh, building products, and I that's uh, I figured what I really wanted to do. I I, uh, I joined another very very uh, early stage startup. Uh, as a VP product, uh, building uh, chips for uh, base stations in the uh, uh, then nascent uh, 4G industry. Um, and from there, we, we got acquired by Qualcomm. Uh, so I, I, I was there for a few years and I uh, um, owned the uh, product line of the uh, um, infra side at Qualcomm. Uh, then I joined Google, uh, a little bit of B2B products, uh, the new Google sites, uh, and then Waze. Um, Forming Carpool and then the Carpool team and then uh, the whole product team and then also UX UX research uh, and that's where I am today. Very cool, very cool. Now you mentioned at some point that you got kind of bored and you wanted to do something different. Like I'm curious to know, like how how did you how did you what was your introduction to product and how did you figure this is what you want to do? Yeah, so <laughs> I got I got uh, when I got the call from uh, from a friend of a friend for uh, uh, joining their company, uh, uh, he told me that he would interview me for a position of, the, of uh, VP of product management. 
I literally had no idea what it meant. This was the first time I heard there was such a discipline. So uh, I guess I, I, I was a bit lucky because in that space, product, um, product management and, and uh, CTO were kind of the same thing because like you talk to customers, it's very like B2B oriented and you have like the whole space is maybe five customers, right? Ericsson, Huawei, those type of customers. So, um, so pre-sales, CTO, products, those are kind of the same thing. So it was okay to come with my uh, technical expertise and to learn about the rest, especially the business side, which, which again, I, I was never, um, uh, um, that was never part of my of my work before. It was the first time uh, I, I did those things. Um, so, so this is how I, so when I got my first uh, job as a product manager, I literally had no idea what a product manager was. Uh, that was that was interesting. I guess uh, I mean that was less popular at the time. It was ten ten ten, day, ten years ago. It was less uh, popular than it is today. Yeah. No. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm, I'm curious to know if you want to share a little bit. Like, how, how did you go about building your product shops? You had your first product job. You wanted to, you know, kind of like excel at your role. How did you How did you end up going about building your product shops? Yeah. That. That's uh, I think B two B in general is a good uh, school for product. It's a good uh, it's a good way of uh, getting uh, uh, very profound insights about how to build products um, uh, in a way that we get immediate feedback from the uh, from the market. Um, also, the fact that it was in hardware is also um, compels uh, the, the PMs to be very um, uh, very explicitly thinking about. Uh, costs, about unit economics, about margins. It's not software, right? We're like Everything has a cost. You want to build something that has a cost. So you have to think about pricing from day one. So it's it's a great school for product management. Uh, at the beginning, you just hear, you just listen to customers and you say, okay, whatever they told me to do, I'll just build it. And then, you know, you become a little bit more sophisticated than that. You understand the, the line needs. You um, learn to think about uh, uh, user needs, to think about how to address them in the in the, in the simplest way and how to validate uh, basic hypothesis. You learn about uh, uh, to, to make this in a way that is sustainable from the business side. So all those skills, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, good, um, it's a good way to develop them with, uh, in, the, in the B2B space. Uh, and then, you know, P, I think product management in general is, is, a, is a discipline, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, not a, it's kind of a science and arts, uh, but like if you know what you're doing, you could be uh, the product manager for anything, right? I think whether you have experience in the consumer space, B2B, hardware, software, anything, the, the core discipline, the core insights that you, that, that you need to, uh, to master uh, to be a good PM are the same. Mm. Yeah, that's totally well put. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this a bit later uh, on product side, but that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Rafa on that. So, you know, let's, let's chat a little bit more about, like, I guess, the state of product management from your lens. You know, we're still in the pandemic. So I'm curious to know, like, what kind of challenges have you faced at Waze since COVID? And have you, how have you, you know, gone about overcoming those challenges so far? Yeah, I'll talk on, the, on the, not so much on the business side, but as PMs, I think the, what's so um, uh, difficult for, for, for PMs uh, uh, during the pandemic that is, uh, maybe not as difficult for uh, for uh, other people in the company. You know, if you need to write code, you can write code from home. Of course, it's difficult, right? Of course, like the, you're uh, you're missing your friends, and and it's uh, uh, and it's uh, it's uh, difficult to uh, to have a, a work-life balance and all those things. But as a PM, uh, such a great part of the job is actually being with people, influencing them, getting feedback from them, 
uh, you know, getting feedback on ideas, like those corridor discussions, they're so important uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, to PMs in general that um, really like the great PMs uh, had to reinvent themselves during this pandemic. How to, uh, how to get uh, feedback from peers, how to get feedback from engineering, how to work with UX because they can sit next to another. So it's, it's, I think it's been especially difficult for, 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 for PMs because like the essence of the job is the communication. Right? It's the communication, it's the, it's the collaboration, it's the influence. All those things are very, very important and extremely tricky to, to, to nail uh, working from home. Yeah. Definitely, I could, I could, I can resonate with that. So I'm curious, like, if you want to share a few or two, a few nuggets on, like, you know, what are some ways that uh, you know your your yourself and your team were able to kind of utilize to, you know, uh, cope with this whole remote work situation as a PM. Yeah, so we had to reinvent your um, uh, the, the 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 way we do things, especially around communications. So we have uh, the habits that you have, like the daily stand-up, all those things. You have to 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 uh, reinvent them in a way that works working from home. I personally think that, for instance, it's very difficult to make decisions with uh, uh, five, six, seven people online. If you're in a room, it's somehow possible. So redefining uh, the roles and responsibilities across the companies, redefining the interfaces, redefining the cadence of the meetings, redefining everything in a way that it's consciously dressing the working from home situation, I think is absolutely critical. So the, the, like, it's, not, it's not more of the same, right? Like we need to have processes adapted to, uh, to working from home. Um, and, the, and just putting online the things that we did offline doesn't work. So like, we need to be very, uh, uh, to be very clear about that and, and, uh, and, and say, okay, so how, how we are addressing the whole thing? What are the outcomes that we need to address? And, and how are we going to address them uh, online? If it's just going to be the, the daily stand-up, but online, that won't work. If it's just going to be the same feature review with, the, the, with the 80 people just online, that won't work either. If it's uh, just getting feedback uh, from, uh, from, uh, from uh, like some forum that you uh, used to do, but do this online, that won't work either. So like, you need to reinvent all the processes so they're, they're optimized for, uh, for uh, online discussions. Totally, yeah. It's such a it's such a good thing. I kind of like take a step back and kind of like start to redefine all your processes, right? And that's that's been mm -hmm. that's been the key, like to to go ahead and kind of like adapt. Which which you know, it's it's uh, it's crazy. Like the times that we're in, like there's there's going to be a lot of new thinking involved, like to put those uh, you know adopted principles and processes in place, right? What do you see, like, in terms of the trends in the whole product industry or like your your own industry and where you're at, like? What what do you what kind of trends are you seeing to emerge uh, that could maybe last at, post pandemic? Yeah, I, I think what I'm uh, um, noticing is that I think people are much more um, mindful of the uh, the meaning of their work uh, since the the, 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 the pandemic has uh, has begun. I see lots of people uh, reaching out to me and uh, and uh, you know asking for uh, uh, you know. What do we do at Waze? How is that impactful for the best? Like, how do we, uh, how do we, how does our mission uh, impact the world in a positive way? Um, I think like before the pandemic, people were less uh, thinking about those things. But uh, I think like at some level, people now got to um, refocus on what really matters, uh, and they all, they're all very, not all, right? But like many people are now thinking about how, like, what's the meaning of their job? 
how do they make a positive impact on the, on the world? And when they do build products, um, they do think much more about how to build them respons responsibly, um, how to be mindful about privacy, how to be mindful about the uh, potential uh, impact that it has on the uh, on the world and society, and not just about you know driving growth and engagement. Uh, I don't think it, it, it's enough uh, to people anymore. Um, I think that this will last post-pandemic, uh, and uh, and I do expect uh, people to um, to be um, more thoughtful about those issues uh, when they build products going forward. Yeah, which is a great point. Actually, we're gonna talk about building responsibly later on, but that's uh, I've noticed that too. Like you mentioned, not only from a user perspective, but also like. Uh, I think uh, from a lot of thought leaders out there, like yourself, like, you know, and like, I know quite uh, my previous guests, like, you know, they, they're coming out and sharing their frameworks and their experiences and their expertise, which is great. Like when you give back to the community and you want to help out. So you help the product managers, they end up building better products. So it's a kind of like a, you know, um, it's, it's a kind of like a flywheel, right? You know, you, you end up helping others and others will end up helping people in society who is going to use their products, right? Which is great. Yeah, and 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 uh, I think that in the, in the last years we've seen uh, what's the potential impact of uh, of products that are not built responsibly that are thinking only about uh, engagement, maybe with the wrong incentives, uh, and uh, and business models that are not aligned necessarily with the uh, uh, well-being of society or uh, of individuals. And I think that that um, now people are much more thoughtful about those things, and uh, in, in every company, right? Um, and uh, and I, I expect, I hope this will last. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. So now let's talk about AI. I guess the hot topic for for uh, it's been for a while. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, like, first, what are your thoughts on the state of AI today, and how have you noticed the the potential of uh, you know its application, you know, for you to build better products at ways? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Everybody's uh, talking about uh, AI, right? Uh, or if they're not, they're talking about uh, blockchain. I even heard people talking about both. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, uh, so so I, I'm uh, um, very careful about this hype. I am not sure that it is an amazing tool, obviously, right? It, 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 it is changing the world. I think hopefully for the better. Uh, I'm very optimistic about the potential applications and very bullish on the uh, on the, uh, on the positive impact it's going to have on the world. I'm just very skeptical that it is a silver bullet for solving any problem in products, uh, especially for PMs. Like PMs really need to be very careful with AI. We see the, like, the emergence of this uh, AI product manager uh, uh, discipline, which is very interesting, but uh, it needs to be applied wisely, right? It's, uh, it, it, we need to be careful not to, uh, not to uh, uh, try to um, find problems with that specific solution, right? It's a solution in search of a problem, uh, very often. So, so, so we need to be uh, to be very careful because most, many times, I see people applying AIs to problems that have very straightforward solutions that are much um, uh, less, uh, uh, much more cost-effective. For instance, often you can replace uh, or you can build a certain quality. Uh, with AI or with uh, other functionality, right? And I was saying like AI is not always the uh, most uh, efficient solution or cost-effective solution. Uh, and often it also um, leads to a worse user experience actually. So for instance, 
I was giving the, the example of, uh, of ways, often we have um, signals that we get explicitly from uh, users who wants to help their fellow wazers by reporting, I don't know, pothole on the road, for instance. And the fact that we could theoretically get this, uh, uh, there is a pothole and where is the pothole, et cetera, et cetera. But I think like, first of all, it's, it's much more difficult than actually asking the user, is there a pothole there? And I think like for the users who sees the reports, I think it's very valuable to see that it's a contribution for an act, from an actual person rather than from, uh, from some AI. It's more difficult, of course, because you, you, have, you need to have engagement on your, on your platform. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think like it creates a sense of community, a sense of uh, I need to give back to the community. So it contributes to the flywheel, I, I think, in a, in, a, in, a, in a more significant uh, uh, manner. So, of course, I'm, again, very bullish on AI, and I, I, uh, um, I think I understand the tool, I understand the potential, and I, and I think I'm, uh, I'm very optimistic about the potential applications. Um, but I, I'm just saying, like, PM needs to be careful to solve problems for users. And sometimes, to solve a great problem for users, the solution on the implementation uh, side is rather boring. Right? It's not always as cool or as sexy as, 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 you, uh, as you imagine. Right? So that's, like, that's part of the job of the PM. Be very, very focused on solving problems for users and not on the solution, whether it's AI, whether it's crowdsourcing, or whether it's a, it's a dumb uh, heuristics. I totally see where you're coming from and, and in a sense of like, you know, at the end of the day, we need to solve a problem. And uh, I could totally see that, you know, the way AI has been uh, kind of positioned out there is like a, a lot of PMs, especially especially the ones that might not have too much exposure into it. They might think, you know what, it, it's a silver bullet to everything. It can solve all sorts of kind of like cool features. Whereas what you said, in a lot of cases, actually it might have a negative effect, right? And uh and I love the example you gave. You no, know, maybe in in a lot of cases, a simple basic algorithm with a bunch of for loops and if statement will solve the problem. And if you optimize it, right, you don't really need to train, uh, you know, um, cognitive skills of a human being to to a machine. And then you have to find like you know, we have to load it with data to train it and then kind of optimize it. So it definitely very unique situations where there could be application. So totally agree with you there. Like what you hear so far, make sure to never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like yourself, and I'm thankful for your support. Now, let's head back to the show. So you have this very famous Husker framework. I'd love if you could share a little bit more about this framework and you know why did you create it and how did you approach when you went about actually building it? So Huskar is a, is a uh, rather now it's starting to be a popular framework for product development, and that's the that's uh, really the key, right? Like all it's it's a framework that's an adaptation of the uh, well-known OKR uh, framework to product development specifically. I think like OKR is still the best framework out there for team development, for individual development, for also at the org level. I think that's in order to align everyone and the uh, critical outcomes. Uh, uh, company strategy, etc. I think that OKRs is a really good tool, but when it comes to product development, I think it has a few shortcomings, and uh, this is why uh, we started at Waze uh, the Hostcar framework. Uh, the main uh, goal of the Hostcar, uh, if we compare it to uh, the OKR, is that it puts things in context, right? And when I say context, I mean the context of the worldview, uh, which is a shared understanding of the relationship between different actions uh, of our product 
and the world, right? Like so the different action in our case, for instance, uh, Twins, how uh, driving more drives more data, how more data drives more personalization, how personalization drives more engagement, more engagement is more uh, predictions, maybe more predictions is more planning, more planning is more driving, etc., etc. All those flywheels, they're part of a, a worldview of how we think the different actions uh, uh, in our product are connected to different value propositions and how these different propositions are perceived by different audiences. So this is the worldview we operate in and everything we develop in the product needs to be uh, in the context of this worldview, right? So uh, if, we, if you do something, you need to understand what will be the impact on different KPIs, on different, um, uh, on different audiences, on different uh, uh, critical user journeys or user flows, etc., etc. So that's the, the first key. That's the H, right? The H is the hypothesis. Hypothesis mm -hmm. meaning uh, how it impacts our worldview, right? And what we expect will happen uh, if we uh, develop the, the, the feature we are discussing. O is still for uh, objectives, just like in OKR. And then there's the S right before the KR, right before the key results, like in in uh, in the uh, uh, OKR framework, S stands for signal, and signal means um, uh, pretty much telling the story of what we expect will happen, uh, not necessarily uh, you know with a with a metric and 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 and, and a target on that metric, which is the key results. But like what do we expect will happen in terms of user behavior? What we expect we think will happen uh, in um, in the in user happiness in uh, what will happen to society, what will happen in our case, uh, in the case of waste, for instance, what will happen to traffic, will people drive more or drive less, like something that is qualitative rather than quantitative and make sure that we're all aligned on the high-level objective we want to achieve in order to make sure that the key results that we're going to set actually reflect those signals, right? So that's, that's right. those are like the two main uh, modifications that Oscar uh, brings uh, compared to OKRs. No, this is this is very interesting, and especially that worldview that you put in and the flywheels around it, and how each of these you know uh, features or problems are trying to solve with kind of like how they affect uh, the user behaviors. I think that's uh, such an interesting twist into this. Now, I'm curious to know like what kind of feedback have you gotten like from the community and like other product uh, people kind of applying this framework. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I mentioned that Oscar for the first time, just, you know, I, I didn't plan to mention it. It was during a podcast and I had, uh, 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 you know, uh, other people uh, uh, who wanted to talk to me about it and it kind of became a thing. And then, you know, during the, some uh, very large product conference, I gave a talk about uh, about Oscar and, like, and, and I, I saw like many people in, in, in many languages, from Turkish to Portuguese, giving talks about Oscar. And, wow. and I haven't even uh, uh, I didn't even write the, uh, the the you know the post with the, the actual principles etc. Which is also interesting because it, it, it's uh, I think like um, different people different slightly uh, understood slightly different things when they uh, when they thought about Oscar uh, and 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 this is what I think uh, also allows the framework to evolve to breathe to be more flexible and more. Uh, adaptive to uh, different uh, product team and different product organizations. I think that's uh, that's uh, something that's actually desirable and this is one of the reasons uh, why I didn't uh, still write the official post about uh, Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Is it something coming up soon that we can uh, you know put the link later on for our listeners? 
<laughs> I, I will try. I, I know I, I, I tell this all the time. I should I should do it, but uh, yeah, I need to. I want to take it seriously and do it properly. So I don't I don't know when I when I okay, will yeah. uh, be like this. Yes. No worries. No, that's that's awesome. And thanks for putting it out there. And I love how you know it's uh, like you mentioned. You know, it's it's breedable uh, to different environments, and it's not the same for everyone. Uh, that's kind of like the key into it. Uh, now, also, you talk about like the whole. Uh, I, I listened uh, to one of these presentations about Oscar, and you talk about uh, the concept of you know being a uh, as a product person, you know, being a product philosopher. And I really like that way of thinking about products. So. My question to you is that you know how can I, as a product person, can become more of a product philosopher in your in your view? So there are two aspects to this. First is uh, uh, to actually you know uh, acknowledge and understand that the worldview is not um, uh, going to be only uh, uh, resulting from the understanding of your product and your audiences and the tech behind it. Um, and, uh, and the user research, this is obviously critical, but I think it's too limited, right? So if you really want to build a rich worldview and um, kind of uh, understand how it will impact uh, individuals and society at large, you need to have like a broader view, which is I think why I think it, it, it's, it's critical for, for product managers to also read about sociology and, 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 and philosophy and, and, and philology and uh, all those um, kind of uh, uh, adjacent uh, domains that to me are absolutely critical to, uh, to product managers, right? Not only about you know, machine learning and user behavior and, and, and product development frameworks. So that's, that's the first thing, like really enrich your worldview by things uh, with, 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 with domains that are adjacent to, to product development. That's absolutely critical. The second thing is when you, de you actually develop products and you have all the not all, of course. Like if you have uh, uh, knowledge and, and data about um, uh, more domains, uh, uh, then how do you use this knowledge in order to enrich your product development process, right? And that's why I think Hoscar is here to put the your product in the context, in the broader context, right, in the context of uh, society at large. And also when you talk about signals, to just you know be explicit about. Um, the, the actual outcomes that, that your product is supposed to achieve and whether you're happy with those outcomes, right? So it's, uh, I think it, it's, uh, it's uh, what I would call part of responsible product development, making sure that you, know, you understand in depth the uh, impact that you're trying to make and understand not only the impact on you know, dry metrics such as engagement or retention or activation rates, that's obviously very important, but that's not enough, right? What happens to society at large, or to user happiness, or to user uh, psychology, uh, if uh, engagement um, uh, uh, goes up, right? Like, why does engagement goes up? Is it for the good reasons, or for reasons that are due to uh, um, uh, higher value that the user gets from the from, from the product, or uh, due to you know some kind of addiction that you created because of you know uh, psychological tricks or gamification elements, et cetera, et cetera, that don't benefit the user, don't benefit society, but it's actually only benefit your, uh, your, your business, I believe, in the short term, right? So putting things in, in context of user psychology, uh, user happiness, and society um, uh, welfare and, and individual well-being, to me, is, is, is absolutely critical. Yeah, and I think that's such a... Uh... 
very unique approach when it comes to you know the way you're thinking about it that way like that the the impact of the product on the broader society and not just the you know the business metrics and the profit and whatnot but also how we affect the society that's like a very very uh powerful way of thinking about building products and i'm sure you know everybody has the right intentions wants to right to build the products that have a positive impact in that sense so if i wanted to actually get better in this realm of like you know being a better you know, become, let's say, that, that, that have that, uh, you know, product philosopher. Like, are there, like, one or two books or resources that come on top of your mind you want to share with our listeners? Oh, no, certainly not. I think that, you know, there are, like, thousands of books, and I, I, I wish I could read more, and, and uh, I can only read, you know, uh, dozens of books uh, every year, which is far from being enough. But I don't think it matters, right? Like, I, I love reading about history. Uh, historical figures such as uh, you know Alexander the Great lately, or uh, or uh, Hannibal, or you know Genghis Khan, or whatever. Like those are to me are super interesting. I learned a lot from them. But also uh, books from uh, Jerry Diamond, Yuval Noah Harari, uh, um, or uh, you know Claude Levi Strauss, and all those, those uh, figures of uh, of anthropology and and um, and sociology to me. Uh, are absolutely fascinating, but, uh, but but you know that's just a personal recommendation. I don't think it matters like what you read, whatever is uh, interesting to you and, and deals about like big issues, uh, history and, 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 and societal issues. To me, is is, uh, is will end up being beneficial for for your users, for your product, and for your for your business. That's the thing. It's not it's not really it it, it looks like a trade off, but it's only a short term trade off. In the yeah. long term, the, the, the user benefits, society benefits, and business benefits should be uh, should be the same. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. Uh, thanks for sharing. Now, my next topic is about you know building technology products, and you know, like I'm curious to know, like you know, we all there's a lot of different approaches to build tech products. There's different frameworks, like the one that you mentioned, the Hoskar, you adopted that, like from a and the OKR. So, I'm, if if you want to kind of like take this step back and like think about the principles of you know, what are some principles in your view of building great technology products that is like universal to, you know, any type of product or environment you're working at? Yeah, I, I think that certainly for, uh, it depends on the phase of the product, right? Like, but I think that the thing that is, uh, to me, um, fundamental in every stage of product development is the connection to product strategy, right? Having a clear strategy uh, about your products Connect it to the company strategy and see how the product roadmap supports the product strategy, the company strategy. Sorry, uh, understanding that the product is not the whole company, right? Like the company has also other uh, other functions that are also super important. Um, uh, and and at every uh, stage of the process, always asking how uh, the uh, feature we are developing now, how you know. The, we're changing the color of a button or whatever, or if it's a, if it's a complete revamp of the, of, the, of the app, or if it's a new service, or if it's a new hardware or whatever, always being um, asking, what am I doing now uh, to support the company strategy? Right? That's that the, 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 the connection to, to strategy to me is absolutely critical. Uh, it's critical for alignments and it's critical for uh, efficient resource allocation. Uh, and not having you know, focus and, and, and as few distractions as possible. Yeah. Uh, so next topic, uh, Rafa, around product leadership. 
you know, obviously you're you're a CPO, and I'm curious to to hear from your sense, like when we're talking about the principles of you know product leadership, what are some principles that comes on top of your mind? Yeah. So the thing is that there is like one fundamental insight. I come back to it uh, all the time when we talk about product management leads, not product manager, not product managers. Uh, it's that what's took you uh, to the top of the product manager, uh, individual contributor ladder won't take you to the next step to uh, you know, a product uh, a management leader, right? The skills that you need in order to flourish are uh, radically different. You can be a superstar product manager, one of the best, right? And still be a terrible product leader because the skills that you need are completely different. Of course, you need to be a great product manager, but you also need to be a great coach and you need to think strategy and you need to disconnect also, you know, get out of the way in the product development itself, right? The product you're losing, um, you know, the day-to-day -day connection to the details because you have built a great team that is into the details and and, and understand the product better than you do. They're the, the, the experts in their product, and it's very hard. Like this leap is very hard to make for many PMs uh, because you know all PMs love to do products, right? So acknowledging that they need to uh, to Stop doing it, right? Do other things like being about the strategy, being about the team coaching, being about team development, career development of the, of the PMs, being about communication with the, uh, other stakeholders. All those things are not you know, uh, uh, necessarily 100% uh, related to product development. Uh, that's, uh, that's a leap that not many PMs can do. So I would say that first acknowledging that you know what, what took you so far won't take you further, right? You need different skills and uh, acknowledge this and develop those skills in a very conscious way. Uh, agreeing to get out of the way, right, in the in the, yeah. in the product development itself, uh, and understanding that your new top priority is not the product anymore; it's building the team that will build great products. Right. So that's that's uh, to me a big leap uh, that not many PMs can do, uh, and and that's fine by the way, right? Like not all PMs are meant to be uh, um, you know uh, uh, CPOs or director of product, and we need also to uh, those like superstar PM uh, individual contributors uh, also to lead the product of the company. But those are uh, um, um, different ladders, different skill sets that are required, different. Uh, different type of people, right? Not necessarily all of them will uh, make the shift uh, uh, successfully. Yeah, it actually has come up a couple of times uh, previously in my discussions, Rafa, with other product leaders. And the, the skills that actually the, the, what you mentioned about just letting go of like your 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 role as a product leader would change, and uh, you know you don't have to necessarily actually deal with the product, building the actual product, but rather you know, building those, uh, nurturing your team and, you know, coaching them, as you mentioned, that front. Now, I'm curious, like, if if, uh, if I'm a product manager, I want to get into product leadership, and I know that there's a different set of skill sets required for me, you know, like from what you mentioned, from it's a total different skill sets from what we're talking about, from building products to actually uh, being a product leader and managing teams. Uh, like, how can I, how, what are some things that I could uh, start to do from today that would help me uh, you know, 
become a better product leader down the line? Yeah, so that's a great question. First of all, I think that uh, it really, really helps if you uh, uh, yourself have a mentor, right? If your CEO, for instance, or you know an external mentor can help you uh, um, being coached, this is how you really learn uh, how to coach uh, yourself, right? Without someone teaching you how to do those things and witnessing them uh, firsthand, it's very, very difficult to apply them to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to other people. So I think this is why, uh, you know, I, I, to a very large extent, I see the CEO role as um, being the coach of coaches, right? Like teaching their people to, uh, to become coach themselves and, yeah. uh, you know, empowering them to uh, do this full time, basically, understanding that this is the essence of their job, right? Not doing the work, right, because it doesn't scale, but, you know, coaching people to do, um, to do a, a, an amazing job and to build amazing products. So that's that's really really helps. Without it, it's it's also uh, it's, it's, it becomes very uh, very difficult. Uh, but it can still be done, right? So uh, read resources online, uh, you know, take courses on on, on how to do this. Uh, but I think like the mere fact that having this on top of your mind uh, at all time and understanding that this is the essence of the job, not anymore, um, you know, building the product itself, but uh, but, but 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 you know, nurturing your team. Uh, this is uh, this is already tremendously helpful. So um, so that's the first point. The second point, and it's never too early to start, is always thinking about product strategy and right? connecting the dots, understanding uh, how does your specific product uh, uh, push in the same direction as the rest of the as the rest of the uh, of the product line of the company uh, towards a common goal, having a shared a sense of purpose, all of all of those things, you can do them as an associate product manager, and as you go up in the in the, in the on the ladder of product management, it's always 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 relevant. Um, you um, you know you impact this strategy less uh, or more depending on on how senior you are, but it's never too early. You're never too junior to be thinking uh, in depth about those things. Yeah, those are great, really insights, especially on what you mentioned about mentorship as well. And that's uh, that's great feedback. Thank you for that. Um, all right, Rafa. Well, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience about in general that you think we haven't touched upon today? Because it's a very, you know, try to be like informal chat today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Yeah, nothing special. I think that's uh, we're in a very interesting period now with uh, with with COVID. Uh, hopefully, we'll get out of this pandemic uh, in the in the next few months. Uh, but uh, you know, I think we we, we shall not uh, forget what the uh, lessons are. Uh, I think uh, the main lesson, the most significant one from my perspective, is that you know, uh, life is too short to be spent building product that don't uh, benefit society um, and and do, do we, they don't have a, a positive impact on. The, society in general uh, and you know there are tremendous challenges ahead in uh, with, with, the, with climate change and with the uh, you know uh, with ecology in, in, in general with politics and fake news and so many you know um, large-scale uh, tremendous issues that can be solved with technology uh, that you know if you're a talented PM just you know Take your talents uh, and, and use it in order to uh, help uh, uh, humanity solve those problems. I think that's uh, 
that's uh, you know, that's the, the the most important takeaway for me of this, especially of these uh, uh, past two, twelve months. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's uh, that's a great point you brought up, Rafa. Thanks again for coming on the show and chatting with us on, on different topics that we had. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's episode of PMH Podcast. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed it, uh, feel free to share in your LinkedIn social media. Leave a five-star review so we can reach more audience and you have any suggestions. Definitely send me an email. My email is cyrus at productmanagerhub.org. Also, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so we don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I'm Cyrus Shirazian. And until next show, stay safe and healthy.